Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. Okay, so today we are continuing in our series called The Good Life, and we have been examining over the past several, several weeks, we've been looking at different parts of the most famous sermon that Jesus ever preached. The Sermon on the Mount. And, and in this sermon, Jesus really lays out, hey, here's what it means. Here's what it looks like to be a follower of me. Here's what it looks like to be a disciple, to follow the way of Jesus. He really gets into all the details of it. He talks about everything. He talks about relationships. He talks about finances. He talks about being men and women of our word. He talks about what the blessed life or the good life looks like in terms of humility, meekness, being peacemakers, living a life of purity, hungering and thirsting for the word of God. Today we're going to look at probably one of the most famous parts of the most famous sermon ever preached, and it's called the golden rule. And I don't know, I was thinking back through my life and I thought, man, I think most people kind of know what the golden rule is. Maybe you've read it before, maybe you've heard it before, or some version of it. Everybody loves the golden rule. It doesn't matter if you're a, a Christian or a Buddhist or an atheist or whatever, everyone recognizes the golden rule as wisdom teaching, as one of the wisest things ever said. And Jesus said it. And it goes something like this. He says in Matthew 7, verse 12, Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So whatever you want others to do for you, do also for them. Seems pretty simple, right? Seems pretty straightforward, right on out there. And, and then he ends it with this peculiar statement, this big, massive, bold statement. He goes, this little sentence right here, do for others as you would have them do for you, is the law and the prophets. It summarizes everything that God has been trying to say to you through his word. And so the title for today's talk, if you're taking notes, is simply the golden rule. It all comes down to this. It all boils down to this. And I want to read for us a few more verses that give some context to what Jesus is saying. In Matthew 22, verse 34 to 40, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they, they came to test Jesus as they often did. And they came with this question, which is the greatest commandment, Jesus, in the law? This was a debate that the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, they had amongst themselves all the time. Which one is the most important? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Luke includes with all your strength. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So love your neighbor as yourself sounds a lot like the golden rule. 
As you wish to be treated, treat others like that. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, the love of God and the love of others, depend the law and the prophets. Matthew 5, 17 to 18, just a few chapters earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, we talked about this week one. Jesus says, don't think, don't think for a second that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. I know we're jumping in the deep end, law, prophets, not until heaven or earth pass away. We're, you know, the golden rule, it's right in the middle of all this stuff, and we're going to unpack this together, so stick with me this morning. But I, I want us to take a moment to look at this, because Jesus is doing something revolutionary here. He's literally changing the entire paradigm and perception of religion on earth. You're going to see it in just a second. Jesus is literally transforming the way that people think about the law, religious rules. He's giving us a whole new paradigm for what it means to be in relationship with God, to follow him, and to walk in the way of God. That's what the golden rule is all about. He's literally redefining the whole thing. I'll give you an illustration of this. A true story. Um, I failed my driver's test. First time I took it. Anybody else with me? I know you're too embarrassed. Oh, wow. Look at this. Hands shot up so quick. Let me see it again. How many people failed their driver's test? I feel this is shocking. I'm blown away. I thought I was alone in this. Okay. Uh, here's the funny thing though, right? I mean, I, I don't, I feel like it's maybe a little different now, but I was one of the first kids, one of the first students in the sophomore class at my school to get my driver's license. And so, you know, I had a July birthday, and I knew all my friends were like, yo, Hanson, he's going to get, let's all mark the date, he's going to get his driver's license on this day. This is like a little step towards freedom for all of us. Our moms and dads don't have to take us to school, we don't have to ride the bus, we can go without our parents, this is a big day, Hanson, we're all depending on you, right? And I, honestly, I think what they were most excited about was my car. I had this uh, 19, this isn't actually my car, but you get the idea. It was a 1981 Volvo wagon, turbo, turbo. And uh, you know, some of y'all don't even know about this, right? The seat in the back that folded up, you know, like you could hide it or you could fold it up. And whoever's riding in the back just has like the best and also most awkward ride of their life. Because every time you stop and someone's right there, you're like, what's up? We're just looking at, we're just having a moment right now. So classy though, man, the Volvo wagon, I called it the sled. I mean, guys were like, I'm getting the seat in the back. Like, give, I got dibs on the back seat, Hanson. So, uh... You know, I, fa I failed my driver's test. They were really upset with me. And, uh, you know, my, dri my driving instructor, the guy who was giving me the test, he was, he was rude about it. Like, he played with my heart, right? We got to the end of this, this driver's test, and he's like, man, you're a great driver. You got a 98 on this test. I mean, I felt, I mean, I just, I, I folded that parallel park right in there. Didn't hit the curb. Like, I did everything right. I just, it was amazing, right? I knew I did great. He goes, but I, I got to fail you. I said, why? I got a 98. He's like, well, you broke the law. 
was like, what? He's like, yeah, you went 20 miles an hour in a 15, in a 15 mile an hour zone. I'm like, bro, who follows the speed limit? Like what? He's like, it's called the speed limit for a reason. It's the limit of your speed. If you go over it in a driver's test, you are breaking the law. I'm like, who knew? Like who knew that, right? He goes, you also rolled through a stop sign. Like two major X's. I was like, what? I don't even remember the stop sign. I don't think I rolled through it. I think I drove through it. So he goes, look, I got to fail you. Come back next week. My, my friends were devastated. I had, you know, just the walk of shame into school the next day as, after my mom dropped me off again. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I think this illustrates something for us. You know, we think of the law. We think of the law in driving, right? Really any law. I mean, okay, the point of the law in driving is not to get a ticket. That's the goal, right? If you speed, don't get caught, right? I mean, we've all kind of rolled through a stop sign here or there. Hopefully not fast, right? Just, you know, you're making sure the, the coast is clear. I'm not, I'm not advocating this. I'm just saying we've all done it, right? And he, here's what he, you know, here's what Jesus is getting to. Like, what you've done, Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, Jewish people, you've treated the law like this. You said, all right, as long as I keep my life on cruise control five miles an hour under the speed limit, I'm good with God. As long as I stop at every stop sign, I don't run red lights, and God won't be angry at me you know, then I won't get any tickets from God. But what we don't understand is this, friends, the point of the law is not to avoid getting tickets from God. The point of the law is not to avoid making God angry. The point of the law is to point us in the direction of loving and serving others. He's like, you missed the point. The reason you don't go 100 miles an hour in a 15 mile an hour zone is because you're going to kill somebody. And maybe yourself, the reason you don't roll through red lights is because that's not loving to your neighbor when you smash into their car. It's not serving other people, right? The reason there are limits and laws is not just so you avoid getting a ticket or so you don't get caught or in trouble. It's actually to serve others. The boundaries, the limits, the laws are there for a good reason. And what Jesus is saying is like, look, you've lived your whole life elevating the law, trying to figure out how to not break the law for the sake of not breaking the law because it's the law and you don't want to make God angry. And he goes, you're missing it. The whole point is not to keep God happy by obeying every single piece of the law and the prophets. The point is to use the instruction of the law as guidance for what it looks like to love and serve Others. We'll get into this more in just a second. You see, even before Jesus came along, around the same time, there was something called the silver rule. So you have the golden rule and the silver rule. Now, there's just a little bit of difference between these two. You see, a guy named Confucius, he said this. He said, do not do to others what you don't want them, what you do not wish done to yourself. Do not do to others what you do not wish done to yourself. In the Apocrypha, uh, the book of Tobit 4.15 says, what you hate, don't do to anyone. Another, another wisdom piece of literature, Rabbi Hillel was asked by a Gentile, 
this, this Greek person came up to him as the story goes and challenged the rabbi, said, Rabbi, I know you've memorized all the law and the prophets. The Pharisees literally had the Torah memorized word for word. He goes, I challenge you to stand on one foot and recite to me the entire Torah, all of it. So the rabbi smiled as the story goes. He got on one leg and he says, what is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. That is the whole Torah. The rest is just commentary. I love that. But there's just a small difference between the silver rule and the golden rule. Did you catch it? You see, Jesus says this, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. You see, the silver rule is passive. It's how all of religion works. Don't break the law. Don't break the rules. Don't do bad things to other people. Don't, don't, don't. Here's the long list of rules. As long as you keep it just under the speed limit and you stop at all the stop signs, you're good. It's passive, right? It's this idea of, okay, look, if I don't like that person and I don't want to treat them hatefully, I'm just going to avoid them. That way, I don't break the law. If I, if I find myself getting, you know, really angry in these situations, I'm going to avoid those situations and those people so I don't break the law. It's, a, it's an avoidant way of life, and it's completely focused on what not to do. Jesus flips the script in the golden rule. He goes, the golden rule is active. It's aggressively seeking out the good of others. Start with yourself and think, man, how do I like to be treated? What do I like in life? What makes me happy? How, how do I feel when people treat me in ways that I like to be treated? Okay, imagine all that, that whole list and say, okay, now actively go seek and find ways to do that to others. Do that for others. It's the golden rule. Silver rule is passive. The golden rule is active. And Jesus is boiling all of it down to the bare essentials. I mean, this is absolutely stunning. He's boiling the whole thing down to the essentials. So you can take all the law and the prophets and boil it down to this. And it reminded me because I love backpacking. I love hiking. Um, you know, just getting out in the wilderness for a few days. And there's an art to it. You know, if you've ever done it, there's an art form to it. It's not, it's not like camping with an RV. Camping with an RV is awesome, right? But when you go camping with an RV, you can literally bring the kitchen sink or refrigerator or filet mignons. You got a king size bed in that sucker. You are sleeping good. You got air conditioning if you got a generator or you're plugging it in somewhere. You got fresh water for days. You got a bathroom in the wilderness. You got everything you need, right? It's like, hey, I want to bring it. Just throw it in the RV. We'll bring it all, right? And Jesus is like, look, you know, the whole law and the prophets is kind of like an RV. But I want to boil it down to, like, the essentials. When it comes to backpacking, right, you only got so much space in a backpack. You can't bring the kitchen sink, right? You, you can't bring, I mean, you could, if you really wanted to, you could bring, like, a king-size air mattress. Maybe you could scrunch it down, maybe a twin air mattress, I don't know, and fit it into the backpack. But then you wouldn't have any room for food, which is kind of essential if you're on a five-day trek, right? 
And so you realize, okay, when it comes to backpacking, I don't get all the luxury items. I do get a sleeping mat. Like, it's not super comfortable. Hopefully there's not too many rocks under my, my tent, but I can sleep on that. It's light. It's compact. I could even attach it to the outside of the bag if I needed. You know, there's other things you might want to bring. Like, instead of filet mignon, you've got freeze-dried mountain house meals, Mexican-style adobo chicken and rice. Come on, somebody. Um, and the beautiful thing is you just add boiling water, and this is suddenly now your bowl as well. So very convenient. Um, you know, there's, there's a bunch of different things you need, essentials for the trip, but there's one thing in particular that you're like, okay, if I don't have this, I'm not going to make it. Even when it comes to backpacking, like you can, I can leave the sleeping pad, I can make it a few days on very little food, but if I don't have a water filter, I'm not making it very far. I, I have literally forgotten this before. <laughs> not a fun experience. You're like beg, borrowing, and stealing, and trying to figure out how to get water from people in the backcountry, because if you drink the water in the lakes or the rivers, you're gonna get sick and get more dehydrated. So if you don't have a water filter, a way to filter your water, you gotta go back, you're in trouble. And what Jesus is saying at the end of the day is this, he's saying, look, the golden rule, this idea of loving your neighbor as yourself, this idea of treating others as you want to be treated, that's the essentials. That's the bare, that is the bare essentials of what it looks like to follow me. And it's amazing because he says, look, I want you to, to start with yourself. The entire purpose of the law is to think, man, how do I want to be treated, loved, respected, and then actively pursue that with your neighbors, with those around you in your life. And people misunderstand. They confuse the law. They don't realize that the point of the law is not to avoid, I already said this. We're going to move on to the next part. The entire aim of the law was to, was to provide the basic structure for how humans should love one another. Through the law, God was saying to the world, this is what love looks like. Through the law? Really, pastor? Feels like a bunch of rules, right? There are a bunch of commandments, like laws. Don't lie. Don't, you know, um, don't commit adultery. Don't murder people. There's a lot of laws that say don't, but what God is saying is actually the foundation of this whole thing is an outline for love. And here's why. Check this out. You start to get into the law, right? There are a bunch of little crazy detailed laws, and some of them are, are centered around the, the rituals of the tabernacle. Some of them are centered around the feast days. But then there's laws of neighboring, laws of how to treat one another. In Leviticus 19, it says this, when you reap a harvest, so you're harvesting your field. When you reap a harvest, leave some at the edges. Leave some unharvested. When you harvest grapes from your vineyard, leave some on the vine. Leave some for the poor, for those in need, or for the sojourner, the stranger, who might be passing through and is hungry. That's a law in Leviticus 19. He goes, look, this is just kind of what it looks like to love people. Don't take all your harvest for yourself. Leave some for whoever might need it. It's called loving your neighbor. Again, in Leviticus 9, 19, 12, it says this. Don't deal falsely with one another. Don't sell your neighbor a plow that is broken. Amen, somebody. Nothing worse than a neighbor that sells you a broken plow and didn't tell you about it. 
just a practical outworking of how to love your neighbor. It'd be really awful to swindle your neighbor and sell them a broken plow. Very practical little outworking. Listen to this, Leviticus 19, verse 16 and 18. It says, don't go around as a slanderer among your people. Don't talk about them bad behind their back. Then it says, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against your people. Just a practical way to love each other. It's not very loving if you're slandering or holding grudges. Verse 14 says, you shall not move your neighbor's boundary marker. I mean, think about it. You know, we all have plot lines on our land. Imagine if your neighbor just decided to knock your fence over and build his, like, yard 10 more feet into your property. I don't feel loved by that. It's not very serving or neighborly. It's not how I want to be treated. Jesus is diving into this, right? Deuteronomy 22, 1-4. Check this one out. You shall not see your neighbor's ox or his sheep going astray and ignore them. You can't be passive. You can't just not steal the ox that got out. You have to do something about it. You have to show love to your neighbor. You shall take them back to your neighbor. And if you do not know who it belongs to, then you shall care for it until the owner seeks it out. That means use your own money to keep that ox alive until whoever it belongs to comes to you and then give it to him. Then you shall restore it to him and you shall do the same with his donkey. Dear Lord, here we go, or his garment, or with any lost thing of your neighbors which is lost and you find, you may not ignore them. Don't ignore it. If you see your neighbor's donkey or ox fallen down by the way, you must not ignore them. You shall help him to lift them up again. Just see it now. Roger! Daggum ox is out again, man. Fourth time this week. I am not helping Roger. It is his problem. That, that ox is driving me nuts. He's walking through my fields. He's causing a disaster. And God, Jesus goes, what would you want done for you in that situation? How would you want to be treated if your ox, your source of living, got out? You'd want someone to get it and bring it back to you. And then he goes further, right, in the Sermon on the Mount. If someone asks you to go one mile, go two. If someone asks for your cloak, give them your tunic as well. So here's what love would do. It would bring the oxen back. All right, Roger, let me see your fence. Where's the hole? There's got to be at least one hole in the fence. Who knows? Maybe Roger fell on some hard times. And you bring some wood from your property over to help repair Roger's fence to make sure his oxen don't escape again. What does love look like? How would you want to be treated? He leaves that very open-ended because I can think for days on how I want to be treated. I could think for days on what I would want people to do for me. He's like, look, if you see the donkey falling in the ditch, don't just, I mean, yeah, the beginning of love is help him out of the ditch with your neighbor. Then love keeps going, right? Help the neighbor fill in the ditch so the donkey doesn't fall there anymore. Go the second mile. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is saying, look, you've misunderstood the law. You've misinterpreted the point of it all. You're just trying to avoid tickets. I'm trying to point you in the direction of loving others. Do for them the things that you would want done for yourself. The law is not a list of rules not to be broken. The law is the banks of a river, and that river is called love. And Jesus is saying, you better jump in the river. It's time to start living this way towards others. That's the point of it all. Friends, I thought about it. I was like, okay, 
I'm just going to make a list. How do I want to be treated? How do I want to be treated? The very first thing I wrote down is, like I'm at Chick-fil-A all the time. How may I serve you? My pleasure. Do you want one Chick-fil-A sauce or 35? No problem. We got them. Let me take your tray for you. Let me serve you. How may I serve you? Friends, do you know why people pay unbelievable amounts of money to stay at the Ritz-Carlton? Do you know why people pay unbelievable amounts of money to stay at the Ritz-Carlton? This is amazing. They have, in their bylaws of Ritz-Carlton, in their founding documents, they have something called the gold standards. The gold standards, okay? And, and it's amazing because what the Ritz-Carlton did, what Chick-fil-A does, is they literally just took the golden rule and took it serious. They said, okay, how would we want to be treated if we showed up at a hotel? Let's just treat people like that. What would we love at a fast food restaurant? How would we love to be treated there? Let's just do that for people and see what happens. Poof, international brand explodes. Who thought about it? Jesus. It's incredible because the Ritz-Carlton, their motto is this. It says, we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. We all want to be treated like a lady and a gentleman. We want to be treated like royalty, right? That's their motto. Listen to this, some of the values. I continuously seek opportunities to improve the Ritz-Carlton experience for our guests. That's what all their employees have to memorize. I'm looking to do good for my guests. It says in another one, I own and immediately resolve any guest problems. It doesn't matter where you are on the org chart at the Ritz-Carlton. If you see a guest with any problem, you resolve it right there. I want to be treated like that. I will, people will pay crazy money to go stay there because they get treated like that. It's a golden rule. The three steps of service at the Ritz-Carlton, they call for giving guests a warm and sincere greeting, using their full name, anticipating and fulfilling their needs, and saying a fond farewell, again, addressing them by their name. Sign me up. I want to be treated like that. So Jesus, the law and the prophets, right? Here was a question of mine to the Lord this week as I was studying this. It represents roughly 700 pages of my Bible. Same amount in yours. I don't know how big your pages are. That's the bottom chunk. It's like almost half your Bible. You all see that? Law and the prophets. That's a lot of text. And you're telling me Jesus said this one sentence sums it all up. Okay, let, let's try that. So I started to think again. All right, what are some things I like and don't like? I don't like to be gossiped about, neither do you. Therefore, I'm going to actively seek to speak well of others, right? I don't like to be cheated on or lied to. Therefore, I'm going to deal with others with honesty and integrity. I don't like people who are difficult, who make my life difficult, who constantly complain, bring problems to my life, who constantly put me on edge. Well, I'm actively going to be the opposite of all those things for people if I can. And I'm not going to be perfect at it, but I'm going to try right? We, uh, we don't like it when someone loses their temper and rages on us. So I'm going to be kind and self-controlled towards others. I don't like to be disrespected, so I'm going to be respectful towards others. I don't like to be ignored, so I'm going to pay attention to others. We all love to serve. We all love to be served and treated with hospitality, so let's do the same for others. When we are in desperate need or in a place of need, we all want someone to reach out a helping hand, so let's be the help 
helping hand to others. When you're facing a crisis, don't you want a friend to walk with you through it? Let's be that friend to others. When you are lonely, don't you need a companion? Be that companion to others. When you are tempted, don't you need some accountability to make sure you don't choose decisions that derail your life? Be that accountability for others. When you screw up, don't you want forgiveness? Extend forgiveness to others. It's so awesome when people are generous towards us. We love it. Be generous towards others. We hate it when people judge or misunderstand us or believe the worst about us. So why would we do that to others? Don't judge. Believe the best about others. You don't like it when someone breaks their promise to you, so keep your promises to others. We all want to be loved. Love others. I just literally wrote that in five minutes, just thinking through things I don't like, things that I know I want to be treated like, and I was like, wow, this really does sum it all up. Because any rational person, right, there is no healthy, rational person wants to be mistreated. In one sentence, Jesus is capturing the essence of how we should live and treat others in every relationship of our lives. In one sentence. He's like, here's the grid. You will literally obey all the law and prophets if you do this. He's giving us the foundation to healthy relationships. And friends, hear me when I say this. The world loves to praise the golden rule. Everybody loves the golden rule. And Jesus looks at the world and goes, hey, I didn't say this so it would be praised. I said it so it would be practiced. I want you to do it. I want you to actually think about how you would want to be treated and treat others like that. And here's the problem. There's one huge problem in actually doing the golden rule. We are selfish. You can, I, was, I thought that was kind of funny. I'm, I'm selfish. You're selfish. Maybe that was too hard. You're selfish. We are self-centered. Since the very beginning, the fall of man, we put ourselves first. I know how I want to be treated. I'm going to make sure I get treated that way. I know what I don't like. I'm going to make sure people don't treat me like that. We think first about ourselves. We think first about what we need, what we want, what we like. And very seldom do we think about, man, how do I provide others with the things that I want, that I like, that I wish would be done for me. Friends, the reason that humanity is a drama of broken relationships and conflict is because people do not do this. We don't live like this. I bet if you really thought about it, most of your personal problems, most of our political problems, international problems, family problems, friend problems, work, school, church, marriage problems, boil down at some level to this. Not treating others in the way that we want to be treated. And friends, just imagine this. Into a world filled with revenge, anger, Racism, war, power, greed, lust, slander, and hatred. Right into the middle of it, Jesus calls his followers to start with themselves. To take personal responsibility for their actions, not just to passively watch and try not to break the rules or break the speed limit. 
He says, I want you to genuinely examine your heart in every situation and ask one simple question. How would I want to be treated right here, right now in this situation? Okay, got it. I'll treat that person like that. Even if they choose not to treat me in the same way. Just to put a real, just obvious international conflict on the radar with this. Russia would not invade and conquer a neighboring country because Russia does not want to be invaded and conquered. It's real simple. It applies to everything. Husbands and wives would forgive each other because they want to be forgiven too. We wouldn't gossip about coworkers or form, you know, negative alliances against people because we would never want that done to us. And here Jesus says, and I'm, I'm, clo- I'm closing with this so the, the keys can come on out with this, but he says this, Matthew 5, 17, I'm bringing it home here. He says, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Do you remember what the law is? It's the practical outworking of love. It's loving your neighbor. Jesus go, I came to fulfill the law. I'm going to show you what love looks like. I'm going to show you to the absolute extreme what it means to fulfill the law and the prophets. If the law is an expression of love for others, if it's just giving us some guidelines, the, the starting point for how to love other people, and Jesus says, I came to fulfill it, what he's saying is, I'm going to be the embodiment of love to the world. Jesus came and he washed their feet, including Judas's. Jesus came and he healed them of their diseases. He casted out demon. He accepted the outcast. He served. He walked with them. He calmed their fears in the midst of the storm. He taught them the way of God. He loved them relentlessly. But how did they retreat him in response? They falsely accused him. They misunderstood him. They were jealous of him. They betrayed him. They abandoned him. They lied about him, whipped him, tortured, mocked, and murdered him. All of us want unconditional love, but Jesus was hated. We want forgiveness. Jesus was condemned. We want acceptance. Jesus was rejected. We want mercy. Jesus was punished for our sins. We want grace, and he was falsely accused and found guilty for us. We want freedom. Jesus was bound by chains and whipped. We want inclusion. Jesus was excluded. We want healing. Jesus' body was broken for us. We want life, abundant life, and Jesus gave up his life for us. Friends, Jesus was on the cross Fulfilling the law and the prophets, he demonstrated the essence of what it meant to love others, to love the world. He was providing us with what we wanted and needed most, even if we didn't realize it. He did for others what they most desperately wanted done for them. He gave to others what they wanted so desperately for themselves. Jesus fulfilled the law by demonstrating his love on the cross. Think about this. 
It was through our violence that he brought peace. It was through our anger that he demonstrated love. Jesus was fulfilling the deepest longing and needs of our life. He was treating us the way we wanted to be treated. And he was giving us salvation and freedom and grace and mercy through our very violence against him. Through the very thing that we used to put him to death. Friends, don't miss this. This is the gospel. Jesus was treated in all the ways we would never want to be treated. If you made a list of how you wanted to be treated, the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. If you made a list, I guarantee you rejection, betrayal, murder, torture would not be on that list. He was treated in all the ways that we would never want to be treated so that he could give us the things we wanted and needed most. Friends, that is the gospel. That is the good news. He came to fulfill the law and the prophets to demonstrate God's love to the world. The law was just God speaking into a broken world saying, look, I know it's not going to come easy or natural to you guys. I know you're self-centered, and I know there's a lot of things going on, but I'm just going to give you some practical guidance. I'm going to point you in the direction of what it looks like to love your neighbor. Go get Roger's ox. Don't worry about the speed limit or getting a ticket, right? Think about how to love others. Actively pursue doing good to others. Think about how you want to be treated and treat them in that way. In this way, you'll fulfill the law and the prophets too. You'll be an expression, a demonstration of love to the world. Amen. Friends, we're going to close with communion. Communion is just a reminder of the good news. It's a reminder that our Savior, his body was broken for us, his blood was shed for us on the cross so that we could be accepted, forgiven, loved, so that we could experience mercy and freedom and healing, all the things that we want. The cross is the greatest expression that God loved his neighbor, you and I, and laid down his life for us. Friends, if you've never taken a step of faith or salvation, if you've never taken that step to be in relationship with Jesus Christ, Friends, this is the gospel. This is the invitation. The first invitation is for you to step into the love of God through Jesus Christ by putting your faith in him, by believing he died for you on the cross. Then the second invitation is go and express that love to the world. And so there is, in the seat back in front of you, a next steps or I'm new card where you can fill out that, man, I want to put my faith in Christ. I want to take that step today. And I want to encourage you to take that step. I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer if that's you and you want to take that step. We have a gift for you. We have a Bible that we would love to gift you. And we'd love to give you some practical tools to help you on your journey forward of faith. But if that's you and you want to pray with me, just join with me in this prayer. Then afterwards, we'll take communion together. Let's bow our heads and shut our eyes. Say something like this in your heart to the Father. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. In your heart, say to him, thank you for fulfilling the law for me. 
Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Tell them in your heart, thank you for taking the rejection that I deserved, the punishment that I deserved, and giving me freedom. In your heart, say to him, Lord, I believe that you rose from the dead. Say to him, that by faith in you, I am raised to new life in my heart. Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.